At this time, we're going to have our scripture reading before our pastor comes up and brings um, his message, Advancing the Cause of Christ Through Our Works. Today, we're reading from Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made any, made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a lamp, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Welcome. Welcome back to a new series. Uh, that well, that we've been in a couple of weeks now. I guess it's not so new as it once was, is it? Uh, advancing the cause of Christ, and we've been talking about some ways that we can advance the cause of Christ. The truth is that we are called when we become a Christian to do more than go to church. We're called to do more than uh, just have a personal relationship, even. When we become a Christian, we're not just joining a religion. We're not just becoming better people. But we actually join the cause of Christ. We, we become a part of it automatically. Because when we put our faith in Jesus, we put our faith in the one whom the Father sent because he so loved the world. That he didn't want anyone to die And so he sent his son to die in our place. And after Jesus had died and resurrected, he left his disciples with the mission to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything he had taught us. And so when we join the capital C Church, the body of Christ, the family of God, we we gain a family, brothers and sisters in Christ, who are not just sitting around to have a big potluck until He returns, right? We're here to advance the cause of Christ. We have a mission that that He has given to us, and when we become a Christian, we get to be a part of that mission, We get to be. It's not a burdensome mission. Oh, it's hard at times. But it's a privilege to take part in continuing and pushing forward that which our Savior Christ Jesus began when He walked on this planet and still continues through us as His hands and feet today. And so, we look around our world and, uh, and in some places in the world we hear reports of the kingdom advancing in mighty ways and the gospel being promoted powerfully and, and people joining the cause left and right. And then we, we look at our, our own situation and perhaps we feel a little differently <laughs> and we feel like maybe it's not advancing as it should. And maybe we need to be stirred again Not only to to be passionate and motivated about doing something about it, but to rethink how we've been doing something about it. See, for for many of us, if you're like me at all, there's a, a sense in which you feel 
kind of uncomfortable whenever this topic comes up. Kind of uncomfortable with the whole idea of outreach and evangelism. Because, if you're like me at all, your top five things to do in life does not include going up to somebody, a family member, a co-worker, even a stranger, and saying, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. It's uncomfortable, isn't it? Sometimes. A lot of the time. Maybe most of the time. You certainly aren't interested in in walking around your neighborhood and knocking on doors and saying, can I come in and talk to you about Jesus? And so you don't do it. And then you beat yourself up about not doing it. Why don't I, I talk to my coworkers more? Why don't I, I, you know, why, why don't I speak up for Jesus more? And then you hear sermons and, and preachers that come and they say, you know, you've got to speak up for Jesus. He, he said, if you don't speak up for him, he won't speak up for you. And, and there's just a lot of pressure and, and really it ends up feeling overwhelming at times. And, and you feel a lot of guilt and, it, and it's just a burden at times. And it seems to me that that's not the way it was supposed to be. It seems to me that joining and advancing the cause of Christ should be an exciting thing. should be something that we want to do, want to be a part of. And so I think part of the problem, and we've been kind of discussing several ways that we can promote the gospel, and that's because part of the problem is somehow we came to the point where we felt like the only way to advance the cause of Christ, the only way, and definitely the primary way, to promote the gospel is with our lips. When in fact, from a biblical standpoint, we are all called to do that kingdom advancing work in a lot of different ways. And some of them are talked about a lot more than using our lips. And so we talked about the, the two biggest already. The things that are, are most talked about in our New Testaments when it comes to advancing the cause of Christ. Number one, prayer. We talked about that it is the number one way to advance the cause of Christ. Period. The most powerful way, the most talked about way in the New Testament, Jesus told us, Specifically, to ask, to beg God to send workers out into the field. That's one way we pray. The next week we talked about the way that's perhaps the, most, the second most talked about way of advancing the cause of Christ in our world. And that is financially, that's with our money. And we, you know, we do that when we support missionaries. We do that when we support missional partners of different kinds. Uh, we put our money and invest it into the cause of Christ. And that's an important way. We talked about how that even makes you partners in the cause of Christ with with someone in the mission field. You may not be called to go in the way that they were called to go, but when we partner with them financially, Scripture talks about that as like a business partnership, like an equal partner. And that means you have an equal share in the responsibility and an equal share in the credit that comes from that kingdom advancing work. And so those are huge ways. Now we're going to talk about some other ways that Scripture, Jesus, and His apostles teach us that we can advance the cause of Christ. And by the end of this series, we will come back to advancing the cause of Christ with our words. But I think even that message is going to come as hopefully a relief to you of, yes, that's something that I can do, and yes, that's something that I would want to do. And so I'm looking forward to sharing that with you as well. 
But let's dive in here and talk about advancing the cause of Christ through our works. Our good works, to be specific. And uh, that's actually a way to advance the cause of Christ. But that's not why we do it. Now, some people think that's why we do it. Some people in the church think that's why we do it. And definitely some people outside the church think that's why we do it. Uh, in fact, if you go back 16, 1700 years, uh, you find an emperor in Rome by the name of Julian. And we've talked about him before. But uh, this guy was kind of the last really anti-Christian emperor in Rome. And he made a desperate push to get the original, traditional, you know, his ancestors' Roman pagan worship back into style. You know, back, back into being what it once was. Uh, he called Christians atheists because they did not believe in the Roman pantheon of gods. And, and so he also called them Galileans because that's another one of the names for Christians early on. But he wrote, we have letters from him writing to, you know, I don't know what they called the priests that were above the priests, you know, in the Roman pagan worship system. Uh, I don't know if they called them bishops or what they called them, you know. But he wrote to those guys and said, hey, we've got to do something here. These Christians, not only are they taking care and being kind and doing good things to their own people, but they're doing good things to our people. They're doing, in fact, better things for our people than what we're doing for our people. And so our people are joining their people. And that means that there's less of our people and there's more of their people. And we've got a problem here. We need to do something about it. And he says, I don't care what you've got to do. Get our priests to start taking care of these people so that we can win people over to our side the way that they're doing Because he was convinced that this was just a conniving thing by the Christians. That they were, you know, ooh, if we feed some people, maybe they'll join us. That kind of thing. And and so what he did, as he told his his priests, look, I am prepared from from his treasuries, from Caesar's treasuries, to give you, uh, listen, these are huge numbers, even by today's reckoning, 175 tons of corn, 33,900 liters of wine. To help with this. And, but Caesar would find out ultimately. He could throw all the money in the world at it. And he could throw all the pressure and guilt and everything at his priests. And it just wasn't going to happen. Because if you're just trying to do it. <laughs> to, if you're trying to pressure people into doing it. If you're just looking at it as a strategy. People can see through that. But they can also see when you're doing it out of love and out of a pure heart. And that's the kind of good works we're talking about today. So I want to ask you, the question today is not just have you been doing good works? But it's more specific than that. It's have you been doing good works with us? Together, as a church, Are you participating? And what are we doing together? Those of us who are participating, how are we doing the good works that we are called to do? So let's talk about it a little bit. 
Let me try and pull up. I may have to pull up slides in a different way here. We, uh, we're looking at this passage as a short passage, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. It comes from the middle of the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And if you are familiar with the Sermon on the Mount, then you know it's a lot of teachings from Jesus to his disciples. A lot of teachings about um, the characteristics of a disciple of Jesus. A lot of instruction about how the disciples should live. And, and so you would read things like right before this. We call it the Beatitudes, but he talked about his disciples as being humble and merciful, pure-hearted, peacemakers. And then after this, over the course of a couple of chapters, he talks about um, you know, how we should not be hateful. How we should avoid lust and, and how we should honor the institution of marriage. How we should not seek vengeance, but rather love our enemies. We should care for the poor, not be judgmental towards others, and so forth. If you've never read, or it's been a while since you read Matthew 5 through 7, I encourage you this week to go read Matthew 5 through 7. You can get that done this week, right? Go read Matthew 5 through 7 and be reminded of these core teachings of Jesus to his disciples. It applied to them then, and it applies to us now. And in the midst of this, Jesus makes this statement. And I'm going to see if I can get it on the screen for you because my computer is giving me fits today. Let's see. There we go. You are the light of the world. A town built or a city built on a hill cannot be hidden. So let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Said when people see your good deeds, your good works, then they'll glorify your Father in heaven. We see it's pretty straightforward that when we do these good works, it's like a light shining out. And the cause of Christ can be advanced through these good works. This was not really a new concept. A lot of times Jesus would quote the prophet Isaiah, and this is a case where he seems to be kind of echoing the prophet Isaiah. And so even in the Old Testament, we read things like, I will also make you, Israel, a light for the Gentiles, the nations around you, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Even when it was Israel that he was talking to, he was looking to spread his love, his light, to all nations. And that, of course, eventually happened through the cause of Christ. So you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine before others. They may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I want to talk to you about two words real quick as we kind of clarify this. And and the first word is you. And the second word is good deeds. What do we mean by you? And what do we mean by good deeds? Now you're thinking... Pastor, you're insulting my intelligence. I learned what the word you means when I was about two. (laughs) Right? 
uh, don't need help with that. But actually, we in the South understand that there's more than one kind of you. Right? Now, some people up north, they don't get that. But we understand there's more than one kind of you. And our particular favorite kind of you down south is, well, you know what it is, don't you? I'll, I'll, say, I'll count to three and you can all say it at once. One, two, three. Oh, that was nice. That was nice. I'm convinced that if they would have had southerners translate the Bible, we could have clarified a lot. All right, because they obviously were not Southerners. They they just used the word "you" for everything, and so you don't know, except by looking at context or looking up the Greek word, whether it's "you" singular or "you" plural or what. I mean, I think we could have helped a lot. I think we could have helped with directional stuff, like when something is up, down, over yonder. We could have clarified that for them when you're fixing to do something, or you reckon. I mean, we could have added to. It would have anyway. They didn't consult us, but if they had, perhaps this passage of scripture would have read something like this. I, I think that this is perhaps more literal from what I've read by scholars. It could have said, "Y'all are the light of the world," because that "you" was plural. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. So let the light of all y'all shine before others, that they may see the good deeds of all of y'all. And glorify y'all's Father in heaven. Right? You see, one of the troubles that we have is because they didn't have Southerners translate, and because we live in a society that's very you and me centered, individual, not very community centered anymore, are we? And getting more and more that way as people retreat to uh, social media and stop looking at each other face to face, and we don't go out in our front yard because we might see a neighbor. And so we get, we're getting more and more kind of just us and we're hemmed out from the rest of the world we're hemmed out from community but it wasn't always that way and most of the world still isn't that way today thankfully but here we have that trouble and so a lot of times we retreat into our homes and into our quiet time and we read the Bible and we're asking the question what does this mean for me the whole time which is a good thing to ask but the problem is so much of the Bible And definitely so much of the New Testament, so much of what Jesus had to say, was not just for you, but for us. It it was intended to be lived out in community. Lived out together. It, It was written to groups of believers. You know, Jesus didn't have just a whole bunch of one-on-one meetings with his disciples all the time to tell them what they should be doing. He talked to them as a group what they should be doing together and for each other and how this should look and how this should work. And so when we read the New Testament, when you read a letter that's like written to the church in Philippi or whatever, you can just count on that letter is written to a group of believers. And you can just just go ahead and assume that most things you read say y'all, okay? When you see you, just put a y'all in there. (laughs) The other thing I wanted to talk to you about was good deeds. And really this is pretty straightforward, but I just wanted to emphasize it. This word for good deeds crops up across our New Testament because it's supposed to be a major characteristic of what we together do in the name of Jesus. And so this, usually the good deeds, the good works, they they come in context with things like using money to do good for those who don't have any. Or, 
doing anything that's excellent and profitable for everyone. For providing for urgent needs. You know, something urgent comes up and we do something about it, we help with it. Good deeds. Good works. And also living a faultless life. Living an upstanding life falls into that category of good works too. And so, you know, it's kind of what you thought it was. <laughs> it's doing good and being good, right? It, good deeds, good works, that's, you know, being the kind of person that other people like to know. Because you're good. You're good to them, you're good to others, you're good to your family, you're good to your friends, you're good to your enemies. That's what Scripture describes when, with good works. And those good works, those things that we do, when we do them, it's like we're shining a light. We're advancing the cause of Christ. But again, that's not why we do them. At least not the only reason why we do them. In fact, right after Jesus taught on this, he spent a long time talking about the heart behind things. And not doing things for men's applause. Not doing things to earn favor with men or really with God. But rather we do those things in response to what God has already done for us, right? We could not earn His favor. That's why He sent Jesus. That's why He did so much good to us. And in response to those good things He did to us, then we can't really help but do good to others. We want to do good to others. If we don't want to do good to others, then the gospel is not bearing fruit in our lives and it would suggest to us that we don't really understand how much good He's done for us. Because if we would fully grasp the depth of His goodness and grace to us, I believe we would naturally be more good and gracious to our neighbors. And that seems to see, that seems to echo what Jesus thought about it too. So what are some of the good things that we do around here? I would list our We Pray nights in this category. We gather to pray. We say because Jesus cares, we care. Because we care, we pray. We pray for a lot of different needs. We pray for the kingdom to be advanced, but we also pray for specific individuals that, are, that we know that are going through hard times or whatever the case may be. We pray for people. Sometimes we pray for people and we write them a note as well to let them know we're praying for them. We, uh, groups of us, go and we sing, or if we don't like to sing, we at least sit by people and visit with them a little bit at nursing homes like the guest house. That doesn't get you a whole lot of applause. Maybe from them, they applaud. But from the world... But we go and we do this each month at a couple different places. I think that qualifies, don't you? We, uh, we help out with other people that are doing good deeds. And next week we look forward to hopefully hosting uh, someone from Project 41, a representative to come and give us an update on what they're doing over there as they fight against sex trafficking and human trafficking in our community. Stuff that's going on right here. And they're in the thick of a battle that's... It's an ugly battle at times. But thankfully, someone's accepted the call to do it. And we love to support them in every way we can. 
We'll talk about that more in a little bit of how we can help out next week. We go and we serve meals, right, at Grace Place. Groups of us, we go together. And we serve hot meals to people in need in our community. We support Mercy Multiplied and we go and we visit and we host them and we cook them a meal and we do things like that. We, we pack shoe boxes for people who may not receive Christmas gifts and we send them around the world with a whole bunch of other Christians and the capital C church here in America blesses a whole bunch of millions of kids with gifts at Christmas and the gospel that goes with it. Other things you know that we do around here we, if someone's grieving in our church family or extended church family someone we know we try to bless them by you know, maybe providing a meal in their time of grief. Uh, we sometimes we hear of a need like one of our renters you know we've got a couple of rental properties and sometimes they fall on hard times we try to be a blessing to them and, and you can probably think of some other things that you've been involved with personally as a part of our church as we try to do good deeds and good works to others but is that enough <laughs> in a sense maybe it's never enough let's always be mindful and on the lookout for opportunities that we have to be a blessing to others. And the first thing that I want to mention to you as we talk about how do we work this into our daily lives is are you participating with us, with someone? Are you doing something that's a blessing to others? I mean, showing up here together, we can bless one another in a worship service. But it's when, you know, one of our classes decides to take on a project for someone they know, uh, to take up a, a special offering, or to go and help someone that needs help. Or it, it's when, you know... You, some group that you're a part of around here or just a group of friends gets together and does something or, or we as a whole church get together and do something and is there, you know, any? I listed a bunch of opportunities there but there's, there's others, is there something you're participating in? You know, and I'd mention too because we have people who listen online each week and if you listen online and, and you don't have a home church is there some group of believers that you can find and plug in with and participate in this because we're called to do good works together. And Jesus said when y'all do those good works together, that the light is shown. That the cause of Christ is advanced. So what are you doing? And, and I would say this as well. We fall into this trap a lot, I've noticed. And it's only natural, so don't beat yourself up about it, but do something about it. So here's what we do. We say... Someone ought to do this. <laughs> right? Someone ought to do that. Maybe I'll send the pastor a note. Or, or oh, there's this, this lady over here. She's always doing something great. Let me talk to her about it. <laughs> See if she can put something together and we'll do it. And, uh, and you, you think of yourself as like the brain trust, right? <laughs> we all do this. Even the, even the pastor does. I come up with ideas. I'm like, someone ought to do that. <laughs> Well, let me just suggest to you that for us as the body of Christ to do a good deed, a good work to someone, 
We don't need a committee. We don't need an announcement. We don't need a slide. We don't need... All you need is you and somebody else. (laughs) Or maybe a couple somebody else's. So if you've got an idea of how we could bless somebody, talk to a friend. Talk to a couple friends. Talk to your class. Talk to the praise team if you're in the praise team or you know whatever group you're in or whatever friends you've got talk to a, a believer that's not even in our church and get together with people and friends that are Christians from different backgrounds and different churches they may attend and do something together wouldn't that be a sign of unity uh, you know we don't have to wait for something to get official to bless someone in the name of Jesus do we so I want to encourage you be on the lookout for things we can do together. You don't, we don't all have to get out there and lone ranger everything. Let's work together. And when we do, the light will shine all the brighter. And the other thing I want to do is, is challenge you to, to check your motives. Check your motives. I, I once was part of a project. This was several years back. And... Uh, I just kind of joined in and pitched in. I think they were packing backpacks uh, for kids, like with food supplies for, I don't know if they just took it for a weekend or, if, or what exactly all was involved with it. But I remember distinctly that it was very important to the group that was doing this and to its leadership that our church name appear prominently in this so that they knew where it came from. And, and, the, and the vibe I got anyway, maybe I got the wrong vibe, was that the success of this endeavor was kind of dependent on whether they, someone, then showed up at our church because of the kindness we had shown. And, and I wasn't really comfortable with that and I wasn't entirely sure why, but you know, working through this message, I feel like that's part of it is if, if we do things expecting something in return, if we do things from the motive of, man, I hope that they'll you know, notice this and start coming to our church. Even a noble motive of, we're going to do this good deed for them, and uh, you know it'll be successful if they're saved then. There's a sense in which that's true, but the reason we do good deeds is because we're Jesus people. And Jesus was all the time doing good deeds. He did good things for people who were living in sin. And later he would find them and say, Hey, you need to leave all that behind. But it didn't stop him from doing a good deed before they cleaned up their life, did it? He was all the time doing good things for people of all kinds of backgrounds. And we too should be quick to do good deeds. Not out of any other motive really, except that God's been so good to us and we're Jesus people and that's just what Jesus people do we're just good folks <laughs> here's the thing when we do good works together from a pure heart the cause of Christ will be advanced I think that people way back there in the 3rd century when Emperor Julian was doling out all of his corn and all of his wine and laying the pressure on his priests and those priests went out and started giving away all that corn and all that wine I think that people could see right through that the only reason they're doing this you know, they don't actually care about me 
They just want me to show up at their temple. And on the other hand, I think when they encountered Christians who were doing good deeds and inviting them into their meals that they were sharing with one another, saying, come, take part with us. When they were taking care of Caesar's people better than Caesar was taking care of them, I think that they saw, these people aren't doing this because they just want me to show up at their church. They actually love me. And I want to know why. Why would a complete stranger of a totally different faith care about me? Why would they genuinely love me? I need to find out about this. So that's why we say that when we do good works together from a pure heart, the cause of Christ will be advanced. I received a story this week from one of our ministry partners at the table. It's a church plant in Missouri that we've been supporting pretty much since the beginning. We were one of the first to support their ministry. And the church plant is seems to be going well. And I got a report, a story, of something that happened there this week. And I thought, could the timing of this story be any more of a God thing? Because not only does it celebrate what we do through our faith promise giving, which we just had our faith promise weekend, and uh, you know, we, this is one of the ministries that we support out of your generosity to that endeavor. But it also ties into what we were saying last week about how when we give, we become partners. And, and the things that happen that are really cool for the kingdom and at the table way off in Missouri, we're equal partners in that, according to Scripture. But most of all, I mean, it's just exactly what we're talking about today. If you wanted evidence of does this still work today or was this just a thing that happened in Jesus' day, here's your evidence. John Simmons, church planner at the table, wrote, When we were still meeting in our home in July last summer, now they're in a new building, Jacob Brown, one of our team members, invited a co-worker to the table. Cody had recently been in a bad car accident where he broke his arm and and was unable to work. During that time, the table was able to help him with gas and grocery money until he could get back to work. Since July, Cody has come to the table almost every week. And here's the crazy thing. Cody lives an hour and a half away from our location. About a month ago, after a table gathering, Cody gave his life to Jesus. John writes, this is what it's all about. So thankful for your partnership in this ministry. Still yet today, when we do good works together, from a pure heart, the cause of Christ will be advanced. So as we go today, you've got these note cards. And if you haven't already filled it out... You know, maybe check one of those boxes. You know, maybe the, your takeaway from this week is, I need to get plugged in. 
I need to start, you know, or maybe God's already laid something on your heart. You've been kicking it down the road for a long time. You need to talk to a couple of buddies and let's get going on it. <laughs> or maybe you realize that, man, usually when I do good deeds, it's kind of out of a sense of obligation. I have expectations. I'm not sure it's really from a pure heart. And you just need to talk to God a little bit about that. I don't know where you're at today. And maybe the Holy Spirit will talk to you about something that's totally different than that. And that's what gives me confidence to stand up and preach each week. Because I know everybody comes from such a, a different situation. And there's no way I can possibly speak into everyone's situation. But we serve a God who can. Amen. And so I just pray and trust each week that wherever you're at and whatever you're dealing with. That the Holy Spirit will speak to your life through his word. And through the truth that we have here. And hopefully that was the case today. Why don't we stand together and, and pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for the cause of Christ. And we're so thankful and grateful to be a part of it. And we ask God that you would forgive us for the times where we've failed to do the good that we should have done in your name. Or the times that we've done it, but just from kind of the wrong heart, the wrong motive. And so we ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would show us what it means to let our light shine for you into a world that's full of a lot of darkness. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.